0: The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca.
1: I think that it should be statistically impossible to have so many talented people living within the Coerthal Lakes.
2: That was Chris Schmidt and what motivated him and two other co-ortholaxians to create Homemade Lindsay, a house concert series that kicks off December 11 in a snug harbour home. We sit down with Chris in a bit. The jab is now available for the younger cohort of 5 to 11s, though we probably shouldn't call it the jab when speaking to those kids. Or does it even matter? We speak with the doctor about preparing the youngins for the vaccine and also preparing their parents. Shakir Remetula is poised to build many homes in Kawartha Lakes in the coming years, but the president of Flato Developments didn't just want official approvals, he wanted and sought input from residents. The Ballandup trails are changing hands, but that won't affect your enjoyment of them. We talked to Ralph McKim about a land transfer so generous, it's like a soothing breeze along a calming, stunning walking trail inside a remarkable ecosystem. My name is Denny Gringel. I'm the host of this twice monthly news magazine program about us, for us. This is The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. The next time you drive along Pigeon Lake Road, well, just as you're approaching Fieldside Road and Weldon Road, glance to the empty fields, then picture a neighborhood, several neighborhoods really, with mixed use housing built for various income levels, Parks, a low-rise condo building geared to seniors. That is the plan, one of several in Lakes, for Flato developments. The builder recently held a public meet-and-greet in Lindsay to show some of these plans, but also to solicit input from local residents, and also to answer their questions and address their concerns. And there are concerns. I was there and sat down with Flato president Shakir Ramatula, to discuss Flato's plans, but also to learn why he wanted the locals' input. I first asked him what he's learning about our community, the people, but also the geography that could help determine what and how he builds these neighborhoods in this community.
3: The city of Kawartha Lakes is surrounded by amazing lakes and the Trent Canal system, which can take you in different parts of, of Ontario, different parts of the lakes, uh, different lake systems and different lakes you can, you can go to. So I think uh, it's a small-town charm uh, with all the amenities close to you. There's great restaurants, great um, uh, stores, amazing theater, um, which is growing and which is going to continue to grow more, uh, great hospital. Um, those are the major things people would need um, to move into a community. Plus the small-town charm, it's not like so busy which I personally don't enjoy, too busy of a, of a town. So, so that, how did that
2: influence how you're building neighbourhoods? When you're actually sitting there and, and figuring out a neighbourhood and everything from the, the size of the sidewalks to the roads to the size of the home, with everything you just listed there, how does that influence how you go about
3: developing that community? So we look for opportunities, how we can come up with a complete community, how we can do things when people are living there. Building homes is easy, but to plan is not easy. It takes long time, it takes um, uh, vision, and it takes uh, advice from a lot of local residents and community members, and that's exactly what we're doing today. That's exactly what we have done in the past. We have come out, we've met with people. So our vision is to to come up with a community with different forms of housing, with townhomes, with smaller townhomes, with back-to-back townhomes, with single detached homes, with affordable housing units, with purposeful rental suites. Uh, purpose, purposeful rental suites for the seniors, commercial plazas. Then we want to have a community which is pedestrian-friendly, where people, where, where a mom can take the kids in a stroller uh, comfortably on a wider sidewalk, that's our vision, uh, have a um, connected trail system to the parks. Um, and then, you know, coming back to the, the lakes we have, for example, Sturgeon Lake, where Flatow is going to be building a master plan community with cottages and with state homes. And we've also bought the marina over there. So we've got great plans for that area. Anywhere you go in the city of Cartha Lakes, all the lakes are accessible, especially if you're living in Lindsay, where we are proposing the homes, which is right next to the, the Weldon School, which is an amazing site. And that area is going to grow. Um, and from there, you go You go to Sturgeon Lake, it's about 15-20 minutes. Yep. Was there an aha moment where you went, huh, I didn't know that, we're going to apply that. Is there anything that comes to mind? Many things. Uh, people have come up to me and said, you know, for, uh, for example, the local principal of the school in, in Cameron, he said, you know, um, at, in the beginning we were just thinking that it's just going to be for recreational use only. I had the idea of having state homes over there now, and, and I wasn't sure. And the, the principal, he came up to me and he said, hey, Shakir, why don't you push these homes sooner, get them done sooner? I said, why, sir? He said, because we have shortfall of students in the school. We need kids in the school. And I said, oh, really? He said, oh, you're going to have these homes and kids are going to be living here, and we, I need kids in my school. I didn't know about that. Then I was talking to, then I stayed in um, in the marina uh, for a night and I was talking to the residents and I found out that the fishing is amazing. A lot of people come there for ice fishing as well. I didn't know about that. I, I learned that from the residents. And then people were saying, not just in the summertime, even in the winter time. Then I learned about, uh, I was walking around, I met with some people and people were telling me that they need uh, a restaurant. There's no restaurant available. In one of the community uh, hall meetings, People came up to me and said, hey, there's no park available in on Long Beach Road. There's no park for the kids to go, for the families to go. Literally, there's no park. We didn't think about that and now we're putting, uh, we're trying our best to put a park in our in our community. It's obvious
2: that people need places to live yes. and you have to use land for that. Yep. And like any farming community, there's always that protective, oh, it's farmland. Yeah. You know, you, you, you're already nodding at this. So how do you placate those people to reassure them that, yes, we're using what was once farmland,
3: but blank. Yes. So how do you fill in that blank for them? So the first thing is all the lands that we are purchasing is all from the farmers and those farmers are moving out and as the the new generation is coming in not everybody wants to be in the farming industry and if you look into uh, all the surrounding areas of uh, around Lindsay everything is a farm so growth is coming we cannot say no to the growth but we have to do grow we have to do development and we have to do growth in a sustainable manner Uh, we have to build a community which is sustainable and we are going to go step by step we are not going to be building thousands and thousands of homes in, in a month it's going to take number of years. It's going to what our plan is is not a five-year plan. The plan we have is about 25 to 30-year plan. So it's going to happen in stages. It's just going to happen very slowly, and we're going to grow very slowly. We're going to be very respectful. We're going to be doing all the studies that we have to do. And and the city of uh, city of uh, Quartha Lakes and the province of Ontario, they have a lot of. A big mandate and they have a lot of uh, criterias which we have to fulfill which requires us to do a lot of studies before we can even build one house. We're playing by the rules, we're, we're open, we're transparent and we're, we're doing this public information session today which we didn't have to do by law. We're doing this because we want to hear from the public so that when we build something, something we're going to build something right. What I think of it is I am the, the resident living in there. I'm living there with my wife and my kids. What would I need? I would need a good school. I need to have a good hospital close by. I would need some entertainment like a theater, art gallery. I would need something to do on the weekend. If I have a lake close by, oh, wow, amazing. If I have good parks where I can take my kids or my kids can go play, and if the sidewalks are, are, are connected, it's pedestrian-friendly community, then if my wife and kids are going out alone, I'm not scared, I'm not worried about them because it's it's a safe system. Everything in Lindsay you need is here. You know, when we are planning um, the community in Lindsay especially, we are thinking of, of what we can do to basically respond to the needs of the community. We cannot be selfish that we come in with our own idea and at Flato we don't work like this. So we have had community information sessions and I've heard from the community members and, and what we are doing is, is, is a response to those things that they have brought forward to us and we are basically responding to it. Our original plan had all single detached homes, had no commercial, very little commercial, had no purposeful rental suites, nothing. When we heard from the people, from the local council especially, was pushing us to have um, uh, affordable housing, the mayor said, you know, you've got to do different forms of housing. You've got to make it look nice. And I said, wow, these are good things. We didn't think about these things, you know? And we took those things back on the, on the drawing board and we redrew the plan and we came forward with a revised plan. I mean, we want to make sure that the residents of people are happy with us and we're responding to the needs of the people. And as a businessman as well, And as an entrepreneur, you wanna make sure you offer things to the community and you should respond to the community needs if you want your project to be successful. This is Melissa Weems from Wards Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of The Advocate Podcast. Stories from Kawartha Lakes.
2: Big news last week for all of us, dear citizens, but especially for parents of children between the ages of 5 and 11. Vaccines for that group have now been approved in Canada, and that includes coarthalakes. Of course, they joined that older group of children, 12 to 17. But any parent will tell you that the difference between a 5-year-old and a 17-year-old can be big. Heck, the difference between an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old can be big when it comes to how they might feel about getting the shot. Sheila Mae Young is retired from clinical work as a family physician, but she still holds her license and she is one of our city's vaccinators. Maybe she gave you your job in Fenland or at the Lindsay X. I spoke to Dr. Mae Young recently and asked her what we, as in parents, need to know about this age group and how it's different than the older cohort when it comes to vaccination and also how to prepare them for it. She started by sharing a personal experience.
0: My daughter and her husband are very much pro-vaccination, and they um, have a a son that was in the 12 to 17 group, and there was no hesitation. In fact, that grandson, his name is Luke, he had no hesitation at getting, getting the vaccination. He wanted it as soon as he can because he just wants to be out and play hockey and do all of those good things. They have a nine-year-old who is very reticent about a vaccination. He's the kind of kid who, who in the past had to be held down for a vaccination. So I had the opportunity to talk to him on the weekend, and he he says to me, he knows that I'm a doctor, and uh, you know I said, well, if, you know, do you want to talk about the vaccination? And he immediately reverts to the term needle. He doesn't, you know. He knows that it's a needle, Uh, and he said, you know, I don't really want it, um, but Mom and Dad have got an appointment for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, you know, like, what don't you really want about it? He says, it it hurts. We had to talk a a lot about this vaccination and how it's going to help him, and I'm saying, you know, like, we're going to do some relaxation You know, we're going to try to do it in a different way. And um, your mom's going to be there, and you you know how calm your mom is. Your dad's not so calm, but your mom's terribly (laughs) calm, and she's really good at getting vaccinations. And you watched her get her vaccination, and um, you've seen the dog get his vaccinations. So, you know, we're going to try to do some things that make you feel more calm do you want, and the discussion was, do you want to watch the needle? Well, he wants to watch the needle go in. And I said, that's fine. You know, the person who's going to be giving this to you doesn't mind if you watch. But, you know, we, we practiced making your, your arm feel like a noodle so it's nice and relaxed and the muscles not going to tense up. And we practiced taking some deep breaths and blowing out candles and all of these things that are on the, you know, this these sheets that tell you to, have to prepare your child. And I think we're ready.
2: You mentioned him knowing the real word, despite you know, the oh, vernacular yeah. of vaccination, they, they hear the word needle, they hear the word shot. What, what can you tell parents to, to prepare their children for, especially when it comes to language and, and how they, what yeah. words they use?
0: The first thing that I, I really say to parents is, you know, have you got all your questions answered? You know are you are you really ready this is a a scary time for your kids and maybe for you have you got all your answers so do you feel confident yourself because that's i think the first step and at the vaccination clinics there will be people who can answer some questions but maybe that's not the best time when your child is all prepared ready to go
2: and a little anxious and given the environment
0: yeah and, and it's, you know, very simple things like, call it a vaccination. If they've had a really good experience, because certain age groups, the five-year-olds will not have had uh, experiences of vaccinations that they remember. But your nine, ten-year-olds, they may remember the, the six-year-old um, measles, mumps, and rubella. Mm-hmm. And if they've had a good experience with that, then you can remind them what it was like.
2: What if they had not had a good experience? How do you placate them?
0: <laughs> yeah. If they haven't had a good experience, like my grandson, you can't avoid talking about it, but you've got to change, you know, your message. Let's talk about it because then now they can really talk about it and voice their opinion. I use the word vaccination all the time, and it's immediately converted needle
2: <laughs> they know so, so despite you trying to to massage it they'll pardon the pun there but but they're going to figure out what the real word means regardless oh of the
0: they they know off right off the bat even if they're five <laughs> i think they know use the proper term it's a vaccination it'll help you and eventually help the child and uh, then you you know then you talk about what's going to happen kids really want to know the order of things that are going to happen And there are pictures on the website of the vaccination centers, so that may be helpful if they're going to go to the the Lindsay Exhibition Grounds. They will have gone there maybe for a real happy event, and they're going to go in that building, and this is where they're going to have their vaccination, and maybe that's helpful for them. You know, let's talk to these these children. They often will respond to, you know, my name is Sam, what's yours? Um, that's my nickname, but, uh, and I often use that, um, what's yours? And are you ready for this? And, you know, mom, are you ready for this? You know, or dad, are you ready for this? Because when mom and dad are ready, the kids are usually ready. I'm not anxious about doing this, doing the vaccinations for these young children. Are you excited? I, I'm really happy to be able to contribute to the general community. That's number one. But I'm really happy that these parents have the foresight to vaccinate their children for the children's sake, their family's sake, and the community. This is maybe hard for some, but they all have a reason for bringing their kids, and that reason is very valid. Dr. Sheila Mae Young from Woodville. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast Stories from Cortholing.
2: Our show's continued success depends on downloads and streams and subscriptions, which you can do on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and at lindsayadvocate.ca, all free courtesy of our official and exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. For all your legal needs, Carissa and Jason Ward and their team have you covered. You can find them via their super cool website, wardlegal.ca. You can find us on Facebook. Please like our page, and that way we can keep you up to speed on all the stories we're working on. A story you can find in the Lindsay Advocate magazine is The Return of the Academy Theatre, that is in the December issue. It is written by William McGinn. You can pick up your copy now across Kawartha Lakes, including Giant Tiger in Lindsay and the LCBO in Kirkfield.
0: I mean, honestly, the word that's been on my mind this whole walk is just it's just magic in here. It's just saying over and over again look, this now we're in a completely different kind of tree or look at these ferns those weren't at the first part and now we're into these ash trees or like mini ecosystem and now we're at this uh, like i say the only i'm at a loss for words it's it it's just magic i'm in awe first of all at the, at the work that ralph and jean have put into making these trails but making them so natural that and just, this
2: little this little walkway oh, that takes you over the brook here this little bridge yeah, it's that is from episode 17, way back in October of last year, when Advocate Magazine Associate Editor Nancy Payne and I took a trek through the Duff Trails in the southern part of Kortha Lakes. The Ballyduff Trails are 240 acres that wind through a varied and vibrant ecosystem owned by Ralph McKim and Jean Garsonen. Now, for years, Ralph and Jean opened up their property to the public to walk, cross-country ski, snowshoe, enjoy. Well, that's changed. Not the part about the public enjoying it for free. The, the ownership part. Ralph and Jean recently donated the majority of their land to the Cortha Land Trust. Ralph joins me on the line uh, now. Ralph, thanks again for making time for us.
4: You're very welcome.
2: Before I get to uh, the why, uh, maybe just describe a little bit about what the KLT Kortha Land Trust is, because I think a lot of people are are still a little bit in the dark when it comes to that organization.
4: The land trust, uh, Kortha Land Trust is one of many land trusts in Canada and Ontario, non-government organization, not for profit. Uh, and uh, their primary mandate is to protect ecologically valuable country uh, landscape, have uh, property available for the enjoyment of the public. When I when I say protected, they protect in two ways. One, they can own the property and therefore uh, set terms and conditions on uh, access and use, and manage it according to good principles, or they can enter into an agreement with a landowner where the landowner sets the terms and conditions uh, that are agreeable to KLT.
2: So it begs the question, why donate your land when, when you could have simply continued with the former arrangement where you essentially just let them use it?
4: Uh, Denny, you ask a very important question. Well, I guess 10 years ago when I was young and 80 years old, I didn't uh, want to give up my opportunity to have prime responsibility for working on the property and enjoying my hobby of ecological restoration. And now, 10 years later, I think it's time for me to step back a little bit and share that responsibility or give that responsibility to um, an organization that can handle that management and responsibility in perpetuity. So um, just time for me to step back.
2: Hmm. well i'm going to press you a little bit because again you could have kept the arrangement and let them do all the work and still own the property and then you know uh retire with that property but you felt you and gene felt a need to actually say here it is now yours there's there's a greater good there
4: yeah uh, um it's hard it's really hard for me to put words into it but i i think it comes back into um some sense of trying to return to the idea of common property that that we really, we really don't own property, private property. That's a very contingent and, and, and uh, uh, arrangement. So I guess it's sort of saying, look, we, we really don't, we're a blip in, in the history of this landscape uh, and it really belongs to, to the larger society. And the best way of, that, uh, that we have available now is to transfer to an organization such as the Land Trust.
2: I have to ask, what was that negotiation process like with the KLT? Because oh, it was kid, simple. It was <laughs> well, there was rare. no there was no price involved here. So, what what kind of arrangement? What was that? Table, what was that discussion? Well, like the arrangements the
4: were that I, I wrote out uh, for them what, what I would not the terms and conditions, but our our intent in in transferring the land to their ownership, the kinds of things that we envision for the future, that we would like them to retain, and and there was. No difficulty in that whatsoever. There was total agreement.
2: When you speak to farmers who sold their farm, they often mention how heart-wrenching it is to drive past that farm. Now, you and you and Gene, you actually live on the property. So what, what do you see What when you look out your window and you see what used to be ostensibly your land but now belongs to somebody else? It
4: feels a bit like having uh, a backpack taken off my shoulders. <laughs> I look out and I see the property that we work on and continue to work in and enjoy and there it is, and it's still there. And uh, it's been a very, uh, what they would say, seamless process. Uh, uh, it just feels great. And, and the great thing is that uh, KLT volunteers are now coming on the property, particularly, and I want to mention this, uh, Fleming students coming in to do uh, some practical work on the property. And it's just great to see others enjoying it and being responsible for it. And you now it's, it's all positive. <laughs>
2: You can enjoy the trails at Ballyduff free of charge, but you must let them know you're coming. Contact Ralph and or Jean at their website, which you can find by typing Ballyduff Trails in your search bar. They'd also like your thoughts on how to improve the enjoyment of the trails. There's a survey, which you can find by Googling Ballyduff Trails Survey and then clicking on the Survey Monkey site. Yes, I said Survey Monkey.
4: My name is Amelia Boyd from the Lindsay Community Food Market, and you are listening to the Advocate podcast, "Stories from Cortha Lakes."
2: Sometimes baby steps aren't only the safest option in these times; they can also turn out to be the most creatively fulfilling for the creators and those taking in that creativity. Okay, enough of the cagey, almost cryptic setup here. House concerts in Cortha Lakes—that's happening. Fully vaxed audiences who purchased a ticket to see an all-professional concert featuring professional local musicians. The first in this series is scheduled for Saturday, December 11, in the snug harbor home of Chris Schmidt. Chris is one of three people behind Homemade Lindsay. Louis Segura and Daryl James are the others. Chris is actually sitting across from me right now in my living room. Um, uh, First of all, Chris, welcome to the area. I, I, I realize you only moved here about a year ago with your family. Okay, so what drove you to make Homemade Lindsay happen?
1: great question. I think it's that opportunity for that um, intimate experience of having a conversation with people. Getting together and inviting people into a home is um, comfortable. It's accessible. It feels safe. It's inviting. And to get to meet more people in the community that I'm new to and get to know some of these like-minded people and build friendships and relationships and hear some really great music, something that couldn't be done anywhere else and isn't being done right? The opportunity to be there and hear somebody the first time and say, I was there when they played in this house and meet people in the community who are fans of the arts. You know what? To be able to spend time with really great people absolutely is what made me interested in doing this.
2: You are opening it up to the public. People can buy these tickets. So how do you sift through those where, you know, you could be getting anybody. So
1: you could get anybody. And that's some of the fun of it, isn't it? This is an opportunity to get together with people who want to hear music. There's people who will be coming for different reasons for sure. And it's not always going to be at the same house. The opportunity is for it to rotate around, to go to different homes, to have different artists. The intention is to have a concert and get together. But the opportunity is to create a movement and little by little grow it larger until it eventually gets to that festival stage, potentially or have a lot of fun and enjoyment and create memories doing it.
2: So if we're talking about the home as a venue, what what is it you're looking for in terms of, well, the physical attributes of a home, the sight lines, everything. What, how how do you go about choosing them?
1: Well, we're doing our first one, so we're going to learn along the way, but typically you want to make sure that you look at the band plot and have a good space where you can be set up and people can enjoy the music. There's very few rules for what it is we're trying to do. Of course, number one is be a good guest, respect the host, But number two, be a great music fan. Listen to the artists. That's why we're there. So when the artist is playing, you listen. Ideally, people will be sitting on the floor, have some pillows down. They can enjoy themselves. It's casual, relaxed. There'll be some furniture moved out of the way, at least for the first one. But generally, it's a come in, be comfortable, and listen to the music.
2: What kind of artists are you looking for? Because what you've described is a very intimate... Uh, casual, uh, informal setting. So I'm going to guess there's no heavy metal bands you're looking for. So how are you going about recruiting uh, the actual musicians for this kind of environment?
1: Well, it's funny you say that. One of the most fascinating things I think about Quartha Lakes is the abundance of talent and not just talent, but unique talent. Not everyone sounds the same. So we're looking at people from all walks of life, all cultures, everyone's welcome. We're going to be even asking people to apply and provide some submissions of music that we may not be familiar with. I think that it should be statistically impossible to have so many talented people living within the Cortha Lakes. The artists that are here are extraordinary, world-class, and it's not just a carbon copy of the same type of music. There's an abundance of everything, and I think that's what makes it really exciting to me is you can hear a little bit of country. You can hear some folk, some singer-songwriters, some alternatives, some rap, some hip hop. You can hear anything within this community at a world-class level. And that doesn't really exist everywhere. Maybe there's something in the water, but the, the talent that we have here could be very reflective of the natural beauty around us and the inspiration that comes from it. And I think there's an opportunity to do a better job promoting this amongst each other. All these musicians that we see out here who are superbly, incredibly talented, some that you know, I'm new, but I suspect this is the same for others as well. Only learn about because of the internet. And they're in our communities. And now there's an opportunity for us to come together and see where this movement takes us.
2: What are the intangibles you're looking for in homes that will host these? Because you can tell when you walk into a home pretty quickly what the mood and what the tempo is of that space. So so what is it you're hoping to feel or, or, or see when you walk into a room when you're deciding which one will be host?
1: Speaking for myself and not getting the input from everyone, I would walk into a home. Some of the things that I'm looking for is that it's comfortable, that there's an opportunity where the artists are going to be featured, that, you know, things are are in a way that we can sit down and really enjoy the music and engage in conversation. And that just comes from creating a comfortable home. It doesn't need to be, you know, a 5,000 square foot home. Those aren't the things that we're interested in. What we're interested in is what we're doing within that space and making sure that it's inviting and welcoming.
2: I want to read something here, Chris. Um, This is a a sentence you, when we were corresponding via email, um, and these are your words. We wanted opportunities for like-minded people to be able to get together for meaningful conversation and hear live music. There is something so magical about those moments at house parties that is hard to capture in large settings can you expound on that last part the the idea of the those magical moments at a house party that you can't get in a large
1: setting it's the togetherness if you look at a really great concert and you see the musicians on stage there's an invisible line connecting them when they're playing there's this call and response and they're absolutely in sync and harmony they're connected and with the audience in these small environments they get brought into that and they're part of that And that's where that difference comes from, between being able to sit in a room with these people and feel that magic um, echoing off of them, feeling that pull into that, versus being at a very large festival where there's maybe 40,000 people ahead of you, and you're having a great time and you're enjoying the music, but that intimate connection doesn't exist.
2: So maybe you don't want this to grow then to beyond uh, the four walls of a home. Maybe that's, maybe that is part of the magic is just leaving it within the confines of that, that smaller space.
1: I think that, I think Lou and Daryl would absolutely agree with that. And I think I a hundred percent agree with that as well. I also see that maybe these 30 people who come out can be part of that organizing committee where it won't be the same, but you can still bring something to the community to promote it. Mm -hmm. I really love Lindsay. I love the Quartha's. I just feel so welcomed and I can't believe what an opportunity we have in front of us. The natural beauty, the abundance to bring people from all over the world into here is just something that really excites me. My name is Chris Schmidt. I live in Snug Harbor, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast Stories from Kawartha Lakes.
2: Here is your opportunity to experience Chris Schmidt's Snug Harbor Home. It is the first venue in the Homemade Lindsay House Concert Series. Saturday, December 11. Tickets at Eventbrite. Now, remember that when you type homemade into that search bar on the Eventbrite site, homemade, well that's two separate words. That inaugural show will feature in concert Kayla Mohammed. Her debut EP, You're on the List, is scheduled for release in the new year. And from that forthcoming EP, recorded in the Dunsford home studio of Nathan Truax, this is Kayla Muhammad with The Only Mama That Will Walk the Line.
5: Well, everybody knows you've been stepping on my toes and I'm getting pretty tired.
2: Kayla Mohammed with The Only Mama That Will Walk the Line. I'm guessing she'll be performing that song, among others, at the first ever Homemade Lindsay House concert scheduled for December 11. That's a Saturday. You can get your tickets at eventbrite.com. If you don't need tickets to listen to our program, you can do that on Spotify and Apple Podcasts for free. Please subscribe and, and like our Facebook page. We are brought to you by Ward's Lawyers, our exclusive sponsor since that very first show in February of 2020. They have all your legal needs covered via their team of lawyers. Find them at wardlegal.ca. That theme music you're listening to, along with our musical bridges throughout the program, they were written and composed by the uber-talented Gerald Van Halteren. I'm the fellow who hosts and produces the advocate podcast stories from Kawartha Lakes, Denny Greenell. Asking you to stay safe, keep your chin up and your mouth and nose covered when necessary. And roll up that sleeve for the greater good if you haven't already. Talk to you in two weeks.